The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back into another quarantine version of the Just Press Play podcast. We have LJ and Pops with us again. Guys, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. Oh, going good. Stuck at home. Still, still. Are, are you getting tired yet of looking at the same four walls? Because I know, I know personally, I I'm about. I'm I, I like my walls, but like my liver doesn't like me so much right <laughs> now. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> well, there's not a whole lot to do when you're just sitting at home. You no, know, I just, I, I, if I have alcohol in the house, I, I I'll just drink it. Because what, what have I got an appointment at three? No, so I need to stop <laughs> buying it. Is what needs. So to there's a company that's making some money out of this yeah, quarantine is the liquor that. stores. So oh my god, yes, they're doing just fine. Yeah, that's essential business too. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking uh, the other day. So with, and I don't know how much you get, how much you guys are doing, but with a lot of people with work right now, you're working from home and stuff, and. Or even if you're not doing it with work, you're doing it just to keep keep up with family members. But a lot of people are using Zoom. Yeah. Probably another company that's doing pretty well I would with think. The, the quarantine yep. stuff. But have you ever I've noticed by watching that a lot of Zoomers, if you want to call them that, there's different yeah. Zoomers. And yeah, I, yeah. I was wondering if I start listing off the types of Zoomers, if you realize, oh crap, I'm that guy. Or maybe people listening like, oh, I'm probably this person that he's talking yeah, about yeah. right now. So like a couple, and then I'm just gonna start spitballing. If y'all have some, throw them off too. But like, the, you have like the the window zoomer, and the window zoomer is someone who's always like sitting on the couch <laughs> in front of a window, and they don't think about it because their screen's a little little bitty, but it's so bright Daylight you can barely in. see their face. <laughs> yeah. You can barely see their face. It's really dark, but that that's the window zoomer. Then you always have like the vertical zoomer yep. who's on their iPhone or something, and they have the black bars. That's not that big of a deal, but you are. To me, I, I'm like, oh, that's the vertical. Yep. That's who this person oh, yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, the drinker. And sometimes I think I can fall into this category. Not even necessarily drinking like LJ just put <laughs> up an, an adult beverage. But you're just always drinking something. And sometimes in the same call, it's multiple drinks out of different <laughs> glasses. So, like, it's my coffee and then my water bottle. And then, oh, yeah, I have my Red Bull or something. You know, like, yeah. whatever. You just have different drinks. And, like, someone, if you're watching, you're probably like, Jesus, how many drinks does that person have at their desk? Um, someone, I bet Tony falls in, Uncle Tony falls into this category probably, the outsider. The oh, my God. likes to sit yeah. outside and there's always Frick, a bird The cricket man. And, and I get it because that person, you know, if it's nice, you kind of want to sit on the back porch. But especially if you're LJ editing a podcast, <laughs> you just hear cricket, cricket. How does the uh, cricket go, Kevin? Uh, I don't know. I, I realized that's how I started. He goes, no, cricket, I, cricket? 
And some people don't know called about that. this one, but you have the the virtual backgrounder and fun backgrounder. Yep. The virtual one just has like, you know, I'm the fun backgrounder and I can tell you which background I use is. I might be my, all right, well, throw so a guess. you're the fun backgrounder. What do you got? Throw a guess. What do you think I use? I think you're like the interview of the office. Yes, sir. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Yes, See, sir. that's the fun background. The other background is the one who just, you never know what's back there. It might be them at Vegas or space or yeah. just all kinds of random stuff back there. It still can be fun. Um, you got the the one the, the guys who got, or girls that are in the, the corner or bottom of their screen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they don't realize that they're not in the middle, but they're just like always like in that little bottom corner of the screen. And I don't know why. Yeah, yeah positioned like that or like cutting off their chin or something. And they're just always, <laughs> LJ just pulled up the office button. <laughs> Um, you have the, the cameo person yeah. who just, for, and I guess it's not always their fault, but there's just always like a roommate or yeah. a, fam- a a significant other you or know, a kid walking the pets, by the pets, the pet person that the pet person can be a fun distraction, but a yeah. distraction nonetheless. Well, yeah, I, when I'm dealing with students, uh, there, there are pet people for sure. And, uh, that devolves the conversation very quickly. And, and all of a sudden you're talking and then the dog starts moving around. Now you're, I'm. If you're sitting there talking to LJ and then Pops has uh, Buddy walk across or like in his lap petting him, I'm watching Buddy. I'm not listening to you. I'm watching what Buddy's doing because I can't help it. Right. He's a lot cuter than me. I deal with that a lot with animals. They're a lot cuter than me. You also have the the walker, the person who's always on their phone just walking throughout their house and so (laughs) distracting. I cannot keep up with what's being talked about because the background's moving the whole time and I can't tell what's going on. (laughs) Um, and then the last person I had written down was the blanket person. That person's always got like a blanket completely wrapped around. Just, I mean, just being comfortable, I guess, but just always completely wrapped around with a blanket. Do y'all either notice that you're in that category? I guess LJ, you're in the fun background, but either a background you're in or just one that I didn't mention. Uh, No, I think, uh, uh, don't talk all at once. I had a I had a big Zoom call recently with all the students where we had like fifty six people on one Zoom call and it was I wow. mean wow uh, that's a mess but uh, I didn't get in time and I'll go ahead and make one of these for the for the listeners I want to make like a a Zoom person bingo card where you have a lot of the things you just named basically and then you can call bingo as you're like in your Zoom call so you could be the Zoom bingoer yeah sure. <laughs> that could be fun that could be yeah. fun because another if you have that many people on a call anytime you get probably above seven or so there's going to be that one person that doesn't realize that they don't have their mute their, their mic on <laughs> mute and they're just being so loud and it kind of can be i've done it one time talking with you guys if you don't realize that it's your your uh laptop mic that is picking up the sound and you start typing that is so loud yeah. to yeah. the people <laughs> listening it's just like like it just sounds like they're just smacking stuff but you don't even realize it because you're on mute and then someone has yeah. to be in the call like um, hey, LJ, can you please mute your mic while, while you listen? <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, I saw a post on Reddit where somebody was talking about how they uh, they mute their mic when they get into because they were taking classes and they they have to meet for Zoom or whatever. So they mute their mic every time they get on. And then uh, they so they were on their Zoom call with their class or whatever, and they felt that little rumble in their stomach. And they were like, OK, um, I got a fart. I'm going to pass some gas real quick. <laughs> so they went and they they went and clicked the mute button, let it rip and then clicked it again. And the entire Zoom call got silent <laughs> and everyone uh, started giggling and uh, he realized that he had unmuted himself for one purpose and that was to let the room know what was in his body previously. 
what he had just let out of his body. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> um, I, it, there's mm, just, mm, w- mm. with all this quarantine stuff, there is a lot of video chat going on and Zooming and stuff. And, and some of the stuff's cool. It's a cool way of staying connected and finding ways to do it. I, right now, with all this going on, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty in the world, which might make you hoping that you can have a little more security. Oh, and that yeah, makes, maybe. I want to tell you about our friends over at Simply Safe. You see, with home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's What's the, the first tra- way? The tradi- there's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy oh, installation God, that stop. costs I don't care. a What's small the second fortune. Way, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, I'll take two. I'll take two. The way, yeah, I don't care what it there's is. There's the other way. Some would call this the better way. Uh, there's Simply Safe. <laughs> Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection. A two-time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. Wow. What Simply Safe does is it blankets your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home, outdoor cameras, and doorbells alerts. The doorbell alerts you to anyone approaching your home, entry motion, glass break sensors, guard inside. It, it has everything. It's like you have a small team. And the best part about it is you barely notice it's there. But what truly is remarkable is you can remarkable about Simply Safe is you can set up this system all by yourself not like we talked about that messy installation where they cost a small fortune with the technician this one is just you at the house setting it up anyone can do it it takes about 30 minutes to an hour tops and there's absolutely no trade-offs to your safety you'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's known as 24 7 i don't know if you realize that covers all the time all, hours all the time of oh, every week yeah all that, of that's them? all the time what about every day all though that, all of them Every single one, twenty four seven, three sixty five, even an extra day on leap years. So they, they really have. Do they covered. throw that in for free? You think? Or? <laughs> wow, that's fifty more cents on leap year. And, well, and that gets us to the price, which is only fifty cents a day, a day with no contracts. So for whatever reason, if you decide you don't want a small team behind you at all times securing your house for the small price of fifty cents, you can break it. There's no contract, and it's it's why the Burge calls Simply Safe quote the best home security system out there. Wow. wow. So right now, go to simplysafe.com slash team today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got, you've literally got nothing to lose. Go now, secure your home. Go to simplysafe.com slash team. That's T-E-A-M, simplysafe.com slash team. Go secure your home. All right, let's talk about episodes night two episodes three and four of the last dance uh pops i thought it was awesome lj you're all caught up right i'm all caught up i've seen everything seen it all i thought the episodes were really good uh one big takeaway i had for for the young people watching if if you didn't know now you know dennis rodman wasn't just a crazy guy who dyed his hair the dude could play some basketball he was was a baller they really they really dove into the the bad boys, Pistons, and Michael Jordan. We'll get into that and, and Dennis Rodman. But I I really some of the peak Rodman moments from these two episodes. One I really enjoyed Rodman explaining how pretty much I, I would say the best rebounder of all time. Pops, would you agree? Best rebounder or yeah, Moses Malone might have something to say about that. But yeah, probably the best rebounder. That dude knew well, more about ball physics than anyone in the history of the planet, though, right? 
I think he <laughs> learned like, that a- from Moses Malone. I think Malone used to do that, by the way. He would study shooters and, and station himself at sides of the basket. So I think Dennis Rodman took it to that another was- level. I will give him that. Fair I- enough. I think well, and, and maybe so. I just, I'd never thought about knowing the spin of the ball on every shooter right? shot. Wasn't that fascinating? Yeah. That's so cool. Yep. That's so cool. The fact that he had basically just go to gym. It's one thing to go to gym and you see like you hear stories about Michael Jordan putting up shots all night. To just go to the gym and you're like, you know what I want to do? I want to rebound my ass on. <laughs> that does not sound fun at all. And to study like how bird shot comes off and how magic shot comes off. I mean, I get maybe Malone did do some of that, but I had never even thought about that. And it makes so much sense. It's yeah. obvious, but. That's, that's the reason they're in the NBA. The only reason. Otherwise, I'd be in it. <laughs> <laughs> Rodman averaged, just to put this in perspective, Rodman averaged 15 or more rebounds per game for seven straight seasons. From not, I did a little Jesus. research. From 91 to 98, which would be that last dance, the ending on the last dance season, he averaged 18.7 boards, 18.3 boards, 17.3, 16.8, 15, 16, and 14. That is insane. That's, insane. that's absurd. For for a 17-year career, he averaged 13 rebounds a game. I mean, just to be above double digits for that long is good, but 13, that's just really good. And I actually found uh, this in-depth analytical article, which I can put in show notes, but it really gets into the weeds. I don't know if you'll find it that interesting. LJ, I could see you diving into it, but yeah, yeah. it actually had, it was it was a, trying to prove that Rodman was a be- the best rebounder of all time, and it compared his rebounding rate with Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell, in Rodman's seven best seasons, which is the ones I referenced above, he had a rebounding rates between 30% at its peak and 24% at its lowest. Wilt and Russell never had a year in their entire career where they had a rebounding rate above 20%. So that wow. just shows you. And they, they were playing against guys who a lot of times the joke about them is they were playing against guys like us three. You know, right. playing against <laughs> right, that's some, some, some so, earth creatures. Can, can, what is, yeah, what, to clarify that, what do you mean 30% of all rebounds Rodman got? Yeah. What are you saying with that? In basketball statistics, rebound rate or rebound percentage is a statistic to gauge how effective a player is at gaining possession of the ball after a missed field goal or free throw. Rebound rate is an estimate of the percentage of missed shots a player rebounded while he was on the floor. So okay. yeah, of all available rebounds, he had he had so yeah. Well, he had like a quarter of every shot that was up in the air and didn't go in the when, basket. In, in his almost years, a third. In his peak years, it was almost yeah. a third, wasn't it? At one point, damn, so, it's a lot. <laughs> That's insane. That's a lot. <laughs> the other peak moment pops, and this maybe you knew this. I had no idea this actually happened. The oh Vegas vacation. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, was that common knowledge? So, yeah, Dad, did you know that at all? You know, I do think I remembered hearing it. I'd forgotten about it until this came up. And uh, I do believe I do remember him <laughs> needing time off. And he went to Vegas and partied, I think, the whole time. For about a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and so I've done, like, I was reading around and stuff. And other, like, sports reporters at the time and columnists knew there was some sort of vacation. They didn't know that MJ, I don't know if everyone knew MJ was going around Vegas looking for Dennis Rodman because he didn't leave. <laughs> so just to set it back for you, Rodman went to Phil Jackson. This was when uh, the year that Pippen was out. So Pippen wasn't played. Rodman was basically the second fiddle to Jordan. Mm-hmm. And so he was very important. And right when Pippen was about to come back, I think, or maybe it was while Pippen I think Pippen, Pippen had just out, come back. P- Pippen had just come back. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, because remember he got the 33 here. Uh, yeah, and then the next right. day yeah. was yeah. allegedly the one where he took off. So, so, so Rodman went to uh, Phil Jackson to say he needed to quote get his mind right, which meant I need to go on a Vegas bender <laughs> mid season. 
and me Phil too, Jackson. Man. <laughs> credit to Phil Jackson, I guess he really had a way with stars. Not only did he like consider this and eventually allow it, but he brought in MJ to have a meeting with all three to be like, "All right, Michael, yeah. what do you think?" And I loved Michael being like, "You know." He is not going to be back in 48 hours. You can let him go, but he ain't coming back in 48 hours. And MJ was right. Of course. Yep. <laughs> he was. I think this might have been the same moment. So when he decided he was going to get to go on the bender, they had a shot of him leaving the facility in a do-rag going over to his motorcycle with, of course, a Miller Lite in his hand <laughs> right before he gets on the bike. Like right before he downs, it's like, all right, let's hop on the bike. Um, but the best part of the story is in, so Phil Je- or, uh, Rodman went under everyone's approval and 48 hours passed, and they had not heard from Rodman. <laughs> Duh. Of course they hadn't. Yeah. And it turns out he was in Vegas with Carmen Electra. Yeah, I was who, to say, by the way, I, well, Carmen, go Electra, Carmen Electra Damn. has aged very She's, well. Yeah. She got it going on. But yeah. I will say, it's it's kind of wild when Carmen Electra's like, you need to get back to practice, my friend. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jordan, I just had a... Uh, image in my head of Jordan rolling around Vegas looking for Robin, <laughs> just looking for Robin all over the strip. And he gets to Vegas, finds him in his room. And I love that Jordan was like, I'm not going to say what I found in his bed, but <laughs> Rodman had something in his bed. And then like they cut to Carmen Electra. She's like, I was in the room when MJ came to the door. <laughs> so I hid the covers. <laughs> what did y'all find? And they get Robin. A little go interesting ahead. that, I mean, Michael Jordan had to go to Vegas yeah. to get him. Right? But I don't think he would yeah. have left with anybody else. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. only Jordan could have got him yeah. to come on. Yeah, the fact you that couldn't spend, you couldn't send Kerr over there and go grab right. him. Like that wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Or Jerry Krause or something like that. No. <laughs> wasn't happening. No. I'd love to see him waddle around Vegas. What are you doing, crumbs? <laughs> if this were to happen in today's uh NBA, this would be everywhere this would be like a sky cam over michael jordan's car like a helicopter yeah. following him right getting foot i mean this is insane that michael jordan the greatest athlete of all time the most polarizing figure in the world is walk, going around <laughs> vegas looking for dennis rodman who's been on a five-day bender i can only imagine what he was getting into for that five days uh, um and then he came in and, and messed them up on the conditioning drills because he just he worked harder <laughs> than anybody when he was working I know that was another great story. So Jordan was so, which rightfully so, if I was Jordan, I'd be pissed. Like we're about to have to do conditioning, conditioning drills to get Rodman in shape. When I haven't been on the five day, Vegas. <laughs> I've been out here grinding and Rodman was faster than all of them. He couldn't catch him. <laughs> the dude was from what all, from everything they, they put on there. And then everything I've read about him pops and maybe you can attest this. He, he was a big partier. He loved his nightlife, but he showed up night in and night out. And that's why I think Jordan respected him so much because he was like, you know what? If you'll show up, I don't care what you do. You can't do what he does if you don't show up, right? I mean, the way he plays the game is is violent and practiced. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, he he was a gamer for sure. I thought, you know, I kind of thought it was a little telling. They talked a little bit about his youth and him coming up, and he seemed kind of a an introvert, kind of a, you know, not an outgoing person at all. I I, right. I I really think the biggest thing about Rodman, he was maybe one of the most incredible athletes ever to grace the planet. I just think he was an yeah. incredible yeah. athlete. Um, he was one of the few, if you look back, that kind of, with the Pistons, by the way, that could shut Larry Bird or give Larry Bird so much trouble. Well, yeah. from from everything I've got, which obviously, again, I wasn't watching that, and they didn't touch on it that I mean, they did about how good of a defender he is. But, like, Larry Bird was torching everyone around that time, and all of a sudden Rodman got on like, whoa. Like Larry's really Larry Legend's really having to work just to yeah get a yeah. bucket yeah 
No doubt. And we'll get into some of the bad boys piston stuff. Uh, another thing that stood out to me watching these two episodes, Jordan's 90, 1988 season was absurd. <laughs> it was. No kidding. Sp- what? Speaking of insane, do you want to hear? I've, I've got that. Do you want to hear what he did in the 1988 season? Yeah. Please. Yeah, so tell us. he won the MVP of the league. Yeah. He won the scoring title. Owned, by the way, 53.5% shooting for a shooting guard and point guard. <laughs> 35 points. 35 points a game on 54% shooting. Jesus. That's, That's insane. insane. For a guard, that is insane to do that of any amount okay. of points, let alone 35. But I hadn't even reached the halfway point yet. So he was also <laughs> the all-star, all-star game MVP that year. Yeah. He was the defensive player of the year right. while leading what? the league in scoring. He was also the defensive player of the year. Uh, he averaged three sense. steals and almost two blocks. <laughs> and then finally, and there may be something else I've missed, uh, Kevin, so please uh, let us know, but he also won the slam dunk title running away with <laughs> yeah. it in 1988. In no, that's it. That's the only, if you had those accolades for a career, that's really impressive. <laughs> right. That was his That was his 88 season. season. <laughs> Oh, that felt, I mean, I could not, I knew that obviously I've known Jordan's great, but I knew he had these titles at some point or another. I just did not realize he put together one year where he did it all. I mean, uh, that's, that's just insane. Yes. Uh, yes. That's crazy. Um, another, another thought leaving that episode, poor Craig Elo. I just, <laughs> someone give Craig Elo a hug. Yeah. <laughs> what was- I mean, he, so Elo is the one that Jordan hit the shot over in the 90, in the 89 finals or Eastern conference finals. Yeah. Cast. It's the famous shot where he gets up and does the jump and fist pump. And I actually read an article not that long ago. It's kind of coming up leading up to this uh, documentary. Cause people, one of the most memorable shots Michael Jordan ever made was this, it's the shot. And I read an article where Craig Elo said that on a daily basis, he gets asked about the shot, like whether uh. he's going to the grocery store, no matter what someone asks him about the shot. Cause it's just one of the biggest moments in all of yep. sports. And yeah. it's one of the biggest moments in Michael Jordan's career. And I was looking back at that that game. Craig Elo played a fantastic game. Yeah. He had scored 15 points in that fourth quarter alone. Wow. Jesus. And he hits the he hits the bucket that looks like a game-winning bucket with three seconds left. And if the game ends right there, Craig wow. Elo has a fantastic game to beat Michael Jordan and the Bulls in game five of the Eastern Conference Finals, and they go to the finals. And instead, MJ hits the shot that we just talked about. And then this documentary comes out and they're on Sunday night, MJ saying, well, having, when I figured out I was being guarded by Elo, I knew that was a mistake. <laughs> and then Ron Harper, Ron Harper has possibly the quote of the night when he says, this is his quote. We're up by one. I said, coach, I got MJ. I got MJ. And the coach says, no, I'm going to put Elo on MJ. And I'm like, okay, whatever. F this BS. He does not. <laughs> He does not censor it. It was the best moment. I thought it was the moment of the thing. When he it was, was like, so good. F this. Well, you got to admit, that was a strange call because, I mean, Harper was the more athletic. Was Elo, I, I shouldn't ask this without knowing the height. Maybe the height they thought would give him trouble because I think Maybe, Elo was tall. I mean, the height makes more sense. Elo was taller. He's like 6'7", so it makes sense height-wise. But even MJ knew Ron Harper guarded me better. Yeah. That, that seems year. strange that 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 they would have picked uh, 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 Elo to guard him rather than Harper on that particular play. When you knew everybody on Earth knew where the ball was going, there was just no well. Way. And was that the same game? Was that the same? Speaking of great quotes, was that the same one where they asked uh, um, Doug Collins after the game what it, what was what was the play there? And he said, "You know what? I drew up. Everyone, get the f out of the way and give it to Michael <laughs> <Yeah>. Jordan." <laughs> 
I did not realize they were just dropping F-bombs in press conferences like that. Yeah, that's a baller move. That's a Chicago move right there. Yeah. <laughs> it you just, know, yeah. I, go ahead, El. Well, I've got a quick thought. Uh, were all NBA players back in that era 15 pounds too light? Like, they seem so skinny to me. They did seem light. They did seem yeah. skinny. Um, like, like even Lambeer seems like a, a thin, like gangly dude compared to you know today's NBA. I don't know. I don't remember him being, but certainly Jordan was. Jordan was thin. He was lithe. Well, and, um, and in the in the fourth episode, he like he puts that weight on, and you you start to see that, and that starts to look more like what the NBA <laughs> ends up looking like nowadays. What he ends up, I think, working with once he puts on. I think it's just, yeah. He puts on such a small amount of weight, and it looks like you know the world on him uh, compared to like what you know. 10 pounds looks like on me. Well, it does. Nothing, when they but. show him in those 88 seasons, like the year he was great, he does look thin, especially when they get, and we'll get into the bad boys. We can go to that now. I just, yeah, poor Craig Elo. He had a great game and he's remembered for just getting hit on. Yeah. That shot but on. before but, yeah. you get to the Pistons, I wanted to ask you something that kind of made an impression on me. They, yeah. you know, they were interviewing because, because Phil Jackson was the coach. Wait, was, was Colin still the coach with the Pistons or? For some of it. They they end up switching to Phil Jackson. Was that when they finally got over the hump and they beat the Pistons? Was that Phil Jackson's first yeah, year? That's when so, they switched. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to talk to you about, and this was going to get into my topic of I, we're gonna he's going to keep getting shit shit on during this, and and I understand why because he wanted to break up arguably the best team ever. But Jerry Krause, he put together the foresight. The foresight he had to bring in Phil Jackson, who is arguably the best coach of all time, was it, never, it hadn't even coached in the NBA. And he wanted to bring in Phil Jackson and get this triangle. And obviously that worked out tenfold. That was a really good decision. But, and then we talked about him getting Pippen and we talked about, or we talked about Dennis Rodman. He had the force. And and I know he wasn't, the documentary shows he wasn't as big on board of Dennis Rodman. He was worried about it, but to get Dennis Rodman, who ended up being a key cog for that dynasty and then reinventing the team to be better equipped to beat the bad boys. Jerry Krause did a lot of good things. Yeah. Yeah, he did. But I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, Pops, about that, too. Is that not – I feel like in today's NBA, if there was a, a, a scene or scenario where Doug Collins is the head coach of a team like the Bulls and they bring in Phil Jackson, it seemed like everyone knew Phil Jackson was Krause's right-hand man that he was going to eventually take over. That's a big deal that the assistant coach just usurped Doug Collins. I, well, I remember at the time I liked Collins. I still like Doug Collins, although I, I, I like have a Doug little Collins. beef with something like- he said that I'm going to bring up in a minute. But okay. I really like Collins, and and if you look, I mean, Jordan flourished completely under Collins, but obviously, as Jordan even alluded to, Collins put the ball in his hands. I mean, he was give give Michael the ball and get the F out of the way was kind of a lot of his game plan, and because of Jordan's singularly unique, which is redundant, right, uh, talent, um, it worked uh, to large part, but they didn't get over the hump. They and I don't think they were going to get over the hump until they until they relied on teammates to help him out. Yeah. Well, because I think Collins was too. I mean, and this is probably why Jordan loved him, but he was so reliant on MJ that he just gave MJ the ball over and over again, and it led to a, an amazing nineteen eighty eight season. But but the bad boys could you, shut him down with the Jordan rules, so you had to yeah. do something to do some research for you, pops. Uh, Phil Jackson took over. They that was the year they beat the Cavaliers, or that, when Phil Jackson took over, they end up losing to the Pistons in Game Seven in the Eastern Conference Finals. The next year is when they got over. Okay, the hump. so okay. in Phil Jackson's second year, they got over the hump. Um, what was your beef with well, Doug Collins? Well, I thought though? it was somewhat telling when Doug Collins was on camera and he kind of they asked him about 
him coaching. He said, I could tell that Phil Jackson was a, was a coach, you know, or going to be a head coach, whatever. He said, but while Jordan was with me, he won the MVP, the scoring title, the defensive player of the league. And he, and he kept saying all these accolades. And I thought, how many titles did you win, Doug? That that's yeah. the key. I think that's the key. And, yeah. and Doug Collins, who I really like now, don't get me wrong, but he was kind of sitting there really proud of, of the level of play that Jordan was able to find under him. Ascended to. And, and I, and I well, me, get me, that, but it's all about titles. I'm telling you. But well, let me throw is. the other side out though, is just <laughs> if, if he doesn't unleash the Jordan that we know, to do whatever he does, then maybe Phil Collins doesn't ever get him to be, you know, a team player. Phil maybe, Jackson. I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe Phil Jackson doesn't get him to be a team player. Maybe he doesn't even have the pieces anymore because they don't know what Jordan they have. Like getting Jordan to have the year he had well, made them that, realize exactly what Jordan was. And yeah. that was exactly what I was thinking too. And if you're, if you're Doug Collins, I'm sure Doug Collins feels like he got cheated and he would have won the championship coming up. Like he was on the cusp. And if, if you're Doug Collins, you probably think, because they did end up kind of building a team more equipped. They were more physical and bigger to kind of be able to beat the Pistons. And maybe Doug Collins just thinks if they would have kept building that roster for me, I would have done the same thing. I think it was, again, like we talked about, it was smart by Krause to go to Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson was the perfect coach for Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, that whole dynasty. He was the perfect coach. I mean, and it was seeing this, the way he handles stars and seeing some of this stuff, Phil Jackson was an amazing coach. And then we saw it later at the Lakers. He did the same thing Yeah, with a bunch it, of egos. It's wild how he could handle that. I mean, I know I would probably have a panic attack when Rodman asked me for a vacation. So, you know, yeah. crazy. But you, you're right, though, Kip, for Krause to have seen that. And I remember when Jackson was put in place and Collins was fired, it was startling. I mean, we were like, what the hell are you doing? And then obviously it worked. But Krause does yeah, certainly deserve some credit for what he put together. So then almost should we have been interested in what could have happened had he been able to, uh, you know, have the coach he wanted year, whatever, eight of the dynasty, you know, and, and start the rebuild there. I mean, maybe they've got more championships maybe, but, now but, or something. But that's at that point, at that point, I think, and I think it really came down to Krause's problem was he wanted more recognition than he, he got wanted, for this. And, 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 and he, he deserved more recognition, some, but I thought sure. people get, I don't know, I wasn't living in the times, but I don't, I mean, if he just continues what he's doing, people look back at him as a really good GM and he made some really good moves. But the fact that he was when you're when you're coaching a team like that, Phil Jackson, who has MJ, Pippen, Rodman, all of them are great, and you want to blow that up. I, just, I will say, and, and this is not broke, saying that he made, this is not saying that he was making the right decision, but this is saying that I understand where he was coming from. That there there was definitely a mention throughout the episodes that like the amount of money that a coach got and a GM got were relatively similar. And then it just started going coach, 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 and no GM anymore. Yes. And uh, and I do think that as the GM that puts together everything, I mean, you know, it's it's an important job. Look at the Texans, right? Um, it's an important job to be able to put that talent on the on the field together, on the court together. And uh, and yeah, he deserved some credit and deserved some uh, compensation for putting together what is yeah. clearly the best basketball team. To have played maybe ever and maybe ever will play. Um, I think when this when this doc's all said and done, there's going to be a lot of people who hate Kraus for what for yeah. splitting up this team, and I understand it. But personally, I'm going to look back and go, well, he had a hell of a ten year run. The decisions he made for ten years was real. I mean, he had a lot to do with those rings. I well, I still think a lot more was on the the hands of Pippen, MJ, and Phil Jackson and yeah. Rodman and, and et cetera. But Kraus had a lot to do with these rings. But I'll also say it seems like. 
that uh, the team itself was on the verge of imploding at any moment. I mean, with Scottie Pippen not wanting to play basketball because uh, he didn't like the contract he signed, which is totally reasonable, but, you know, kind of a bad thing to do to your team. And then Dennis Rodman wanted to go on 48-hour or, you know, 96-hour vendors. <coughs> I mean, that team might not have lasted another year anyway. Regard- I mean, I don't know where this goes, except for I know that they win. But uh, Right. It does. Seem but there's like no tell what happens because I think Pippen's getting traded. Pippen's on the verge of getting traded regardless. Yeah. Rodman, from all uh, looking at his stats and kind of from hearing other smart people who were watching around that time, Pip, uh, Rodman was on the on the down slope. I think he might have been gone for that year. So it would have been interesting. It would have been MJ, Phil Jackson, and maybe Krauss builds. And well, no, no Phil Jackson. So I don't know. Maybe they things. You never know what would happen. But Krauss ended up making the decision to not have Phil, which ended up making nobody. So um, yeah, now let's Jordan get to the bad answer. boys, Pistons. Um, the What was it like, Pops? You were a big Bulls fan. What was it like watching those series year in and Actually, year Actually, can I ask a short? question first? Were you a Bulls fan before Jordan, or was that Jordan made you a Bulls fan? Jordan made me a Bulls fan. Jordan made okay, me a cool. Bulls fan. I mean, I never disliked. I just was, uh, what's the word, uh, ambivalent. ambivalent? I was ambivalent to the Bulls. Didn't like them, didn't dislike them, but, but I did like Jordan. Um, and, and I'll be the first one to say, I saw him play at North Carolina. I didn't see that coming. I mean, I did not see the player he came to be. And obviously maybe well, as we talk, maybe Doug Collins helped him get there. Maybe he doesn't get there yeah. without Doug Collins, uh, to that level. But to your question about the, the Pistons, uh, I didn't like the Pistons. They played, uh, arguably dirty basketball. Um, <laughs> it's not arguably. Arguably. It's really dirty. <laughs> you know, I, I actually respected them because the, I understood that that's what they needed to do to win, and they were bad SOBs. I mean, they played hard. Yeah. Um, what it was one of the things I loved about it was psychological as much as it was physical. Like they, like they talk about him that one part where it was like when Scotty didn't react when we threw him to the ground. That's when we knew we had lost. Yeah, because that's the game that they played was it wasn't about like it wasn't about beating them up and injuring them. It was about physically getting in uh, their head, beating on their brain. Yeah. Psyche. It was a psyche thing. Yeah. Sorry. Taylor. Well, and if you are, I think John Sally might have said it or or maybe Rodman. One of them said one of the quotes was, if you're going to foul, earn it. And I get it, though. I get yeah. that, especially if they're not calling flagrants back and forth. I mean, don't ticky tack. Make Jordan remember you when he comes back in the paint. You tell the same thing to a safety Tell, talking about receivers going over the middle. Make yeah. sure even if even if it's a little bit dirty, at least they're going to think about it before you do it. So I it get might be worth ten yards to it. make sure that they never catch over the middle ever again. So, but I can imagine, especially if you're a Bulls fan or an MJ fan, you were like, God, those damn Pistons. Well, those the, damn yeah. the first, you know, the first year was tough, you know, but they beat them, and you kind of expected the second year, which I believe wasn't that the that was the Pippen migraine, I think, in the in Game yep. Seven. That's what they said, yeah, and and. And Which MJ MJ did all he could to bite his tongue and not, <laughs> you know, and and I hear that because it's hard. You can't you can't show somebody a, a broken migraine headache. You know, it's you know, but yeah, but it happens. I know it does. I doubt. Yeah. I don't doubt Pippen had one and and really couldn't play. But that was heartbreaking for me, who became a big Bulls and Jordan fan. I remember when they lost that game, the second you know the second series that game seven, right, right. right. I was heartbroken. I was absolutely. It was so like it was like when point. Dwight Clark caught that touchdown at for San Francisco <laughs> over the Cowboys. It was like that. It was like I mean, just you're in awe for a day, just devastated. It was tough, and the Pistons, damn. And I was so glad when they swept them, and they swept them, 
And then, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but when they they didn't shake hands going off the court, I was just like, F you Pistons, good riddance, you well, know, just. Well, okay. So that's what I wanted to get yeah, to. I, I'm into say that. Though. Well, I just, uh, so uh, based on my watching of the documentary and kind of my experiences like that, it did feel like the Celtics did that to them. Right. And it did feel like that was kind of a token. To an extent. Time. I mean, Mikhail still like gave a high five. To, they showed. Yeah, Mikhail but you can see him catch him Thomas. as he's walking off. You know what I mean? Like, it's still like he went over to the 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 line and caught him at the scoring table. Not like he was like looking right. for um, Isaiah Thomas, but like he was walking to the locker room. And uh, I don't know. It just felt like it felt like maybe they were the last people to be unsportsmanlike. But well, let, all people were unsportsmanlike it, right before that. Let me add this because I heard this today, and it was Bill Simmons who is who noted noted Celtics. Celtic fan. So I imagine you've heard this, Kevin. That but that Celtics win was on the road, and so they wanted to get off the court because at that time fans were rushing the court, and they were trying to get the players off the court for safety. Now. Again, I think part of that can be true, but also part of more just them being dickheads. But I do think part of that is true. I will tell you, I was still watching basketball. I mean, I was watching basketball at that time. And I don't remember, which is part of what some of, I think Isaiah Thomas may have alluded to. I don't remember the Celtics doing that. I don't remember it being a story. I don't remember noticing it. I flat out noticed it with the Pistons. And perhaps that's because maybe the greatest player that ever played basketball was on the court and he is getting so much attention that really in tune and watching it. Well, and I would say to his point, I mean, apparently him and Magic Johnson hugged after the game and like shared just a moment after Jordan won the national championship or after the, yeah, after they won the, the yeah, like Magic apparently met him in the mm-hmm. tunnel afterward. Mm-hmm. And they hugged it out. Like, that, that shows that there was like a, at least a modicum of sportsmanship in the like true championship caliber teams outside of the Pistons, but it just, I don't know. Like I personally, I'm getting the F off that court. Like I'm not interested. Like, what do you need me to, why do you need me to like, congratulate you? Like you've won. Well, so it's just the fact it's just to me, what would have bothered me is, and I think it clearly bothered the Bulls. It actually, I think it actually makes the win sweeter looking back. Yeah, but it makes them champions two more times. It's one thing I don't, you don't have to come up and, you know, tell me, Congratulations! I hope you kick butt in the finals, and you're amazing, and all this. You can just say, "Hey, just good fist game. bump me or something." I yeah, just just show the respect that Why we mono mono we played seven games, right? He, to leave to leave or like they were making a very adamant point. Yeah, to get like out of there seven seconds left from the to leave game. with what? Yeah. yeah, and like like Pop said, there's what they weren't worried about safety. They're in Detroit, you know, they're yeah. in the palace, so that well, Detroit's but rough. If they might have been. <laughs> if you're MJ though, if you're MJ and the Bulls, I think not only did you overcome them and beat them and swept them you embarrassed them they left the game early and you need on one more court. moment of just like punching them in the nose real quick is that what it is i think it makes it sweeter i think actually hindsight i and jordan was the type of player because jordan what this is what part of what made jordan great is part of what made kobe great it's part of what makes these players great is you got to find a reason to fuel you and so he was just going to use it as more disrespect yeah all right everyone oh yeah no this is a tom brady uh Bill Belichick moment, right? Where it's like, let's put that ship on our shoulder, even if it was totally uh not I'm sure a Phil big Jackson, deal. even if players didn't recognize it, Phil Jackson probably would have pointed it out to make sure they recognize it. You know, I, yeah. I think that's what great teams do. This I is think a Richard Sherman moment. And and I think it is the reason, Pops, wouldn't you say probably the reason why Isaiah Thomas did not get on the Oh yeah, team? I think so. I think clearly. I think Jordan had a lot to do with that. I don't think Jordan's forgiven him. I think what I heard Isaiah Thomas saying 
on the documentary is he wished he would have done it differently. And I think, well, this morning Isaiah Thomas got on get up afterward mm -hmm. to, they, they already knew that with these episodes coming, they were planning to have Isaiah Thomas on. And he said, I really did not think 30 years later, we'd still be talking about this. And if it's the reason I didn't get on the dream team, then it really breaks my heart and that he would do it differently because he just didn't think, I think in his eyes, at least Jordan, obviously when he saw the clip on his iPad or whatever, Jordan obviously didn't believe what Isaiah Thomas was saying, but I think Isaiah Thomas, it sounds like he truly is like, wow, I, Bill Ambeer said it. And I was like, sure, let's do it. And he didn't think it would be the story. That'd be like the Celtics where we don't really remember. Yeah. Well, and I would be totally with that. I mean, I just, I don't get why they needed to say great job, buddies. You, you, you did it, sirs. Um, and I just respect and love you. Like, I, like, I think I would have run off the court too. And I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't have. And I don't think the Bulls should have even noticed. They should have been in their own celebration, not worried about what the losers are doing. You know what I mean? If you, yeah. One thing I did want to mention. Well, I should say, if you looked at the year before with that devastating loss to the Pistons that the Bulls just got, it was just devastating loss. MJ went to MJ him and, went said, to him and shook their hands and told them good game. And I, it's just a respect. I think it's a respect thing. I think you do that. I think that's what you do. I think that's what you do. I think that's how you play the game. Okay. All right. I, I do I mean, think I don't understand it personally. I don't get why. For people watching that game, there's a lot of people who are watching this documentary that are around my age or even older, even younger some, but who are going, wow, Jordan really – like you're you're seeing this for the first time realizing how awesome Jordan and Pippen were and all those. I wish there would have been a little more – because I, I don't think I personally – I've watched some highlights and stuff, but – I think Isaiah Thomas is criminally underrated as a player in NBA Agreed. history. He was an amazing player. Maybe the best point guard ever. That good. Well, it sounds like he was the only offense on that team too, right? Like that's uh, what They had Joe like, Dumars. That, that they had Dumars. Was, uh, okay. All right. Fair right, enough. Right. But that all, a lot, from what I gather, a lot of that is known for – a lot of that team is physically just – they're going to be physical and play good defense. They had to get scored from somewhere. Now, Joe Dumars, I believe, is a Hall of Famer, mm -hmm. so he was a good player. But Isaiah Thomas did a lot of the creating and scoring and – as an overall point guard and as a defender, everything, he was a very good player. And they kind of just glossed over it a little bit in this. They did. Because it's not a Pistons documentary. It's a, it's a Bulls documentary. Right. So. Well, and they were the, the same Another, as the 80s Raiders, right? Where it's like, you you got to hate them. That's part of the fun of being an NFL fan is right. hating on the the bad boys. So For, for what it's worth, Isaiah Thomas says that he would do it differently. Bill Lambeer was asked uh, by Rachel Nichols <laughs> on the jump on Monday he would definitely do the exact same thing again, 10 times out of 10. So I can imagine he'd do it harder. I don't know. He'd walk off at 15 seconds. <laughs> he might be giving the birds yeah. while he walked off. <laughs> God. Um, another moment uh, before we get move on, uh, I kind of felt bad for old Scott Burrell <laughs> watching this episode where they're on the plane towards the end. It's like the final five minutes of the, the fourth episode. And they're on the plane and Jordan and Burrell are talking. Burrell was a teammate on the Bulls. And Burrell's sitting there going, He's like, he never gets sleep. He's a single man. He thinks he can hang oh out my all God, night yeah. if he committed to one girl. It's a lie. He's out every night. And Burrell's sitting there going like, yo, M, stop. The camera's rolling. Not on the camera. My mom's going to see this, this bro. <laughs> he says that, and Jordan's response was, mom, dad, he's an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, That's pretty rough. Bro. It is funny. That was pretty rough. <laughs> it is funny, though. Uh, a lot of people, I didn't realize this, but apparently Scotty Burrell is married to Gene Coakley, who is a sports reporter for SNY. It's like the big New York yeah. uh, sports station. And she uh, she was obviously, a lot of people were tweeting at her because it's known. And like someone put the biggest L's of the last night, and they or the last dance, night two. 
and Scotty Burrell's family was on there. And she put, really? I think that's a W in my book. And then she said, I want to hear more stories about baby Rodman, LOL. And then she also noted that she was in high school during this time. So, you know, yeah, it what, didn't matter. She, yeah, she didn't care. But so it seems like people were taking a shot. But you got to think Burrell's like, now, damn it. I literally said, let's not put this on tape. And they put it on the damn documentary. Right. I, and well, honestly, know, I, they shouldn't to. have. They should have taken that out. I think that I would. I think that was them flexing on. This is how much amazing back behind the scenes footage right. we have. Is that we have like they, we have them literally just jo- joshing about. Well, and who cares? Twenty two years happened. later, at the time, if that footage had come out, I think that would have been like really crappy. But like twenty two years, yeah, later, I, no think, I think Scott Burrell's thinking this is going to come out in a year or yeah, something, and I'm that's still he, like trying he truly, to find. He was ready for his mom to see this in six months or whatever once they <laughs> right, won yeah, the title, right, so. um, and that's that's where he was freaking out. But that didn't yeah. happen, thankfully. Uh, did y'all have anything else? We've spent a lot, which I think we're going to. This documentary is just awesome, but we spent a lot of time. Do y'all have anything else y'all want to touch on? I had on from one last right thing to- real quick. Okay, I had one last thing. It was interesting seeing Andrea Kramer. I mean, Andrea Kramer. Oh, man, right everywhere, agree. right? I agree. She was all over it. And I mean, Andrea Kramer is, a, is still a very beautiful woman, no doubt. But I mean, I watch her on Real Sports all the time. And she's, I, I would guess, I don't know. I'm not even going to guess how old she is, but but certainly her you age shouldn't. is. That's a bad idea. Yeah. But cause yeah. she was she was a gorgeous woman, and I remember back in the day, and still is very classy. It was it just really kind of was neat to see her uh, back in her prime. She is 61 years old, so she would have been a little like thir- mid 30s, yeah, late 30s. Yeah, I just thought that was so no, cool. No, she, no, and I that's agree. one I thought, of the things I, I actually think. Good. That she's gotten better over time, mm-hmm. like, but she was also really good. It was really cool to see. It's really cool to see all of the uh, Ahmad Rashad, well, like, to see all these people yeah. back in their day. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, so one of the after the game five, after the shot when MJ hits the shot over Craig Elo, the guy who interviews him right after is James Brown, the one that is the big yeah. the Fox. I think he's Fox NFL or CBS, one of the head of the NFL shows. It's yeah. just interesting, like you said, El. Some of these people working the sidelines are like stars in the, in the sports reporting world today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Well, and what was it? Craig Saker gave him 20, gave Rodman $20, <laughs> Rodman bucks, right? 20 bucks. to pay his Rodman said he just wants an interview. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Craig Saker well, was I cool. Enjoy, I miss him. This isn't the thing I wanted to bring up, but I did enjoy how much the Broncos winning the Super Bowl got a shout out. On yeah, that it sure did. Uh, that made yeah. my day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, what, what, what were you going to bring up, Al? Well, I just, what's cool to me is, for for my entire life, the Bulls have been one of the Pantheon teams. And it's kind of interesting. I never knew that they were garbage pre-Jordan. Like, I think to dad, that might make sense. But like, to me, it's the same as like dad's When me and you Lakers think of the Bulls, we just think of champion. We just think Greatness of champion. of all time. Yeah. And then like now they've fallen off of that level, you know? And that's where I like my mindsets. Is, and, and it's really, they just had this one peak and then we're back down in it is uh yeah. kind of what they've yeah see about. i think of them as i'm like you i think of them as like the patriots where for 20 years they're they're just the the cream of the crop when it comes to the nba right. teams and they really they were for 10 years but if they weren't before and they aren't they aren't now or they aren't now yeah so. and that's that's what it was it was 10 years and that's it mm-hmm. yep <laughs> so that's crazy to me i just i think it's really interesting to kind of see now i kind of get a little bit more why dad was so so into jordan is that he transformed you know, the, the chargers or, you know, the, whatever, whatever team that's like mediocre forever into Cleveland Browns, the perennial <laughs> best. Yeah. yeah. The Cleveland Browns transforming right. the Cleveland Browns as a one man show into uh playoff berths every single year. And then eventually you get a little cast and you make seven champion or six championships. Like that's baller. It is. 
it was fun to see on the bad boy stuff and Isaiah Thomas and MJ, they still, to this day, 22 years or 30 years later, still do not like each other. Don't really. And it's it just seems a good rivalry. like maybe Jordan doesn't like Thomas, but Thomas is like, I just want to be friends, man. Did you see John Sally actually had an interview after this? A lot of these guys get post interviews. He said that the beef between Isaiah Thomas and MJ didn't actually start with the bad boys. It started before that when uh, Isaiah Thomas, who's from Chicago, went home to see like his nephew or something. And his nephew was wearing an MJ Bulls jersey. Oh. And he's like, get that shit off. You don't wear MJ <laughs> stuff. And he's like, I'm from Chicago. What do you mean? <laughs> so like ever since then, he wanted to kill MJ because he wanted to show his nephew that I'm better than your favorite player. Oh, God. So it's funny. That's, that's where it started. Yeah. Oh, God. I get that. Um, all right. Moving on from the last dance, I'll be ready for night, night three. I'm ready for the next oh. two episodes. I think we're going to start getting into more. They've done like the backstories on some of the other, like Phil Jackson, Ben Schrodman, Pitbin, and all that. I think we're going to get into MJ now and really kind of. No, we're going with Tony Kukoc. We're going with Steve Kerr. We're going oh, I did want to ask your dad about that. They did an amazing, and I, I've heard that they kind of froze him out. There was one finals where they froze Kukoc out. I think Pippin didn't really pass to him much. They do have not mentioned him no. yet. And he was the third leading scorer on their team, like four out of the six times they won the NBA finals. So he was a good player. And they have not even. If you didn't, I haven't heard his name yet, honestly. I think they said Tony when MJ was giving someone shit. Yeah, he was, there, yeah it was in a practice. <laughs> there was a lot of acrimony at the time because Pippen was, you know, he was bitching because he was underpaid and all that. And then Krause was over there looking back for Kukoc. And they're like, dude, you've got Scottie Pippen right here. Take care of yeah. take care of what you got. And, and there was a lot of uh, uh, ill will Fair towards Tony Kukoc. Well, yeah, I don't know if this was like a stipulation that MJ put before he does this finals, but they have not shown a clip, a positive thing at all from Tony Kukos. And he was not a <laughs> no. bad player. He was, he was not a Hall of Famer, but he's not a bad yeah. player. Yeah. Um. All right, going on to the other big event from this weekend. We got uh, some live. Uh, would you call the NFL draft a sporting event? I was going to say we got our first sporting event. I mean, it's an spent event around sports. I right? think so. I think you call it a sporting event. Yeah. Well... It was a first sporting event in a while, and it was a virtual draft where Roger Goodell did it from his basement. Uh, we'll get into some of it, but it, I did see ESPN release that it was the most watched draft in NFL history. It reached over 55 million people over the week, the entire weekend, which is a record for the draft. So, does that include me, who tuned into that stupid Zoom call and then clicked out immediately, or uh, which Zoom call did you the boo the? Did you see? I, I hated that. We wanted to boo the the commish, and then. But the commission got behind it and sponsored it with Bud Light. And like, it was this whole, like the Bud Light boo, the commission thing. It wasn't near as fun. No, I didn't see that. I booed him because it was my job. Um, But no, I, uh, who was it? It was uh, who hosted, there was a zoom call that like, they couldn't get Strahan off the line for like 45 minutes. He kept saying bye for about, I mean, I swear to God, it was like at least three minutes. And then, uh, so you did tune onto it for a while. Oh, you're about to say 45 minutes. Well, I, I mean. did, but he didn't leave it. Well, I just felt like it. And then, like, Ninja was on there, and like, DJ Khaled was on there. And it's like, why do they have this Kevin open Hart, Zoom call? Kevin, Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart's funny, but like, why do they have the Zoom call that literally everybody in the world can call into and they can't mute anybody? So they're just <laughs> stuck with uh, Richard Eisen, I think it was, was just stuck dealing with the whatever happens, happens <laughs> <laughs> baloney. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do want to get, well, just overall thoughts from the virtual draft. I thought props to ESPN and NFL network and whoever all put it together. They, they did a really good job with, there was a lot of moving parts just to someone who works behind the scenes a little bit in TV. The yeah. fact that they did what they did was 
pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, I'm for the most part without the, a hitch. The skill set that it required, like the number of people that stepped up their A game to make that happen. Seriously, Frank, congrats, guys. Mm. Um, the other thing we mentioned last week, the pictures of uh, different coaches in their war room. We actually got live shots of different coaches and GMs and owners. A couple that stood out to me, uh, Jerry Jones on the couch of his $250 million yacht. <laughs> Did you see all the different? They showed no, once his kitchen or like the, his dining room or whatever he was sitting, and then they showed the actual yacht and like this. It's insane the yacht that he was sitting on. Uh, and then, not to be outdone, you had Cliff Kingsbury with the biggest flex of the entire draft. Did you see the picture of him in his living room? He's set up like all these guys are set up a desk with with all kinds of computers, and he's set up just chilling on a couch like in a very Scarface esque picture. <laughs> Where the TV's on the window, the the side wall is just one giant window <laughs> with these like grass squares. It's not even a lot of grass. It's like squares with concrete around. The only reason you do that is just to show how much money you have. There's no other reason. And then a fire pit that was on for some reason. When I guarantee it was like 80 degrees in Arizona. I don't know why you have a fire pit on it. And it wasn't even outside. It was just to show like, hey, there is a fire pit out there. It's just a flex. It it was a sweet flex. And then it was funny. There was a the best line from it was after the cards tweeted out a picture of it. Uh, Tyron Matthew, who uh, played for the Cardinals not too long ago and left because they couldn't come to agreement on a contract, tweeted out saying, no wonder they couldn't afford me anymore. Look at Cliff's house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you had uh, Zimmer, the coach of the Cardinals, with it looked like every different species of animal on his wall. I, have, I guess he does a lot of hunting hunting because <laughs> he had a ton of different animals. Andy Reid and the Tommy Bahama, that was good. And then Bill Belichick's dog taking over the show. I heard that. Was, that that yeah. was pretty good. Um, what was a what was a moment you guys caught from the draft? Either a pick that you want to talk about, or just something that happened during the virtual part. Um, or... I'll throw out that uh, that uh, the Broncos picking Judge Judy to put next to uh, Cortland Sutton's court and uh, Drew lock him down, <laughs> throw into him. I think we're gonna be set offensively for a little while. Well, someone's <laughs> happy with the draft. <laughs> He's drinking the, the Broncos Kool Aid. Man, give me more of that Kool Aid. I'll drink more of it. Whatever. I'm in. I'm, I'm happy with the draft. Well, yeah. I actually, I'll agree. I think the Broncos had a good draft. Uh, yeah. For the, the people, the teams represented by uh, us here on the pod were Cowboys and Broncos fans. I thought both had a very solid draft. Better draft than usual for both teams, I think. I understand. Some people were like, why do the Cowboys need a receiver? I don't know if that was their biggest need, but I'm a big believer of best available. And the fact that CeeDee Lamb was still there, I could not believe it. I, I mean, CeeDee Lamb in your slot? Like, holy crap, that's going to be okay. I, I mean, right, he could be the best receiver in the draft. I mean, he could, he could be the best, the best receiver on the Cowboys. On that team. Yeah. <laughs> he could be. And you end up with Cooper and Gallup. I mean, that that's I, – I just think – I understand. I think they needed defensive back, which they ended up getting digs from Alabama in the yeah. next round. Yeah. But I think it's a great corner. That's the need they needed. But I think when you have – when you look at your big board and the best player available is there and you didn't even think he would go out of the top ten, I think you take him because if the Cowboys don't take him – the Eagles probably take him a few picks later. Yeah. And I bet he torches us for a decade. So yeah. I, I think it's the right pick. And like I said, they got uh Diggs later, and then they got uh the the defensive tackle who I really liked, uh Neville something out of Mississippi State. I, I thought the Cowboys had a good draft, and I thought the Broncos also had a really good draft. I did you? Um the other big no and let, did you have any other picks, Dad, that you wanted to bring out? There's one that I was gonna talk about in Lambeau, but I was a little title. shocked no, about uh the uh, the Raiders taking uh, rugs 
first Rick, he was Riggs. the first Riggs. Ruggs, he was the first receiver, first receiver off the board, and he's like five ten or something, right? I mean, all the other guys are yeah. But you know what fast. his forty time is? <laughs> okay, is it up? Well, and the, the Raiders have always been big on speed. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Al Davis called and said, "Hey, <laughs> hey, do y'all see his forty? Okay. Don't make me um, get out of this grave." <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, that was shocking to see him first overall. And I thought that changed the a domino effect of the receivers because I think a lot of good people are like, whoa, why did not ex-? I thought Judy, if anybody would be I the thought first Judy was going to be the first him. guy. I and thought they were going to trade up to get Judy. Yeah. And then I like I like C.D. Lamb. I Actually, the more I read and look at, at him, I think he <clears> might have been the best receiver on the board, personally. Yeah. I, you know, I don't disagree with you. I think I think Judy is good for the Broncos, but I think C.D. Lamb was maybe as good as it gets out there. So I'm with you. The other, the other big pick that had a lot of people – Confused or wonder. I mean, just, it kind of shocked people. Was Green Bay taking Jordan Love, Jordan Love with the 26th yeah. overall pick? Yeah. What were your thoughts when you saw that pops? Well, I, I mean, I didn't see it because I was out fishing, but I heard about it and <laughs> and I even think kayaking a little bit. No, we didn't get to do that. Uh, they had okay. shut that down because of the coronavirus. You couldn't. Uh, you couldn't uh, tra- what, shuttle people. You know, you, they shut the river down. It's a federal river, so you couldn't canoe on it. I guess that um, makes sense. Sorry. Yeah, um, but it. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think even a bigger deal. I don't think that the Green Bay Packers took a wide receiver in this draft. No, it was one thing. You're like, oh, I'm not going to get Aaron Rodgers a weapon. They're like, but after that, after night one, people are like, oh, well, there's still, it's a deep receiver draft, maybe the deepest of all times that everyone's been saying. And I don't believe, at least in the first four rounds, they didn't take a receiver. I don't know if they took one I at all. I don't think they took one at all. And they so really kind of need to look, get some line help, too. Nope. And I don't know that they took any offensive linemen. They took uh, in the sixth round, The they took three offensive linemen. Okay. Well, they did in the sixth round. Wow. Okay. Well, so yeah. the good thing is, though, the good thing is with the Packers being the team that does this, is they have a quarterback that I'm sure will take this in stride. Oh, yeah. He will be totally <laughs> fine with them drafting a backup for him instead of help. What do you think, Gil? Well, I think uh, it's it's kind of fitting that uh, Aaron Rodgers was picked with the 24th pick in the first round with uh, one of the best starting quarterbacks of all time. Uh, being Who was the same age as Aaron Rodgers is right <laughs> yeah. now. I think he's not yeah. going to notice any similarities to that at all, and he's not going to be... Uh, stress, but I really do think though that he's he's gonna hold on to his job until he decides to give it up, or he's gonna find a place to do it, and uh, so he's gonna be a good leader for that team. That's my gut. I don't know if I'm wrong or not, but that's I my could gut. see Aaron Rodgers shooting on the bird saying, "Get me out of here." I could see him doing it. Oh, I think Maybe. the interview's coming soon of Aaron Rodgers just shitting on the pack. There was already it was funny. <laughs> there was already all these rumors of. Aaron Rodgers didn't get along with McCarthy, and now maybe he's not getting along with uh, LaFleur as much, and maybe it's just hard to get along with, which I think is probably the truth. But there's all these rumors, and it's like, well, they went 13-3 and one game away from the Super Bowl. They're pro- Look, it's it's all happy up in Green Bay, and then Green Bay goes and drafts his replacement. When Rodgers, I'm sure, feels he has plenty of time left, I think we might be in the final year of Rodgers in Green Bay. I think he's going to be asking for a trade, a la Scottie Pippen here soon. Well, do you think it's interesting his old coach took one of the best receivers on the board? I know. All I thought was so great. Aaron Rodgers for years, they didn't didn't do enough high equity of getting receivers for him, like at least drafting high receivers. And then CeeDee Lamb goes in the first round to his old coach. Yeah, Yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah, Uh, I I just don't see Jordan or uh, Aaron Rodgers taking this very, very – there was funny, there was before the draft started, he was in an interview, and he's like, well, whoever we draft, I'm going to find a way to get his number. I'm going to FaceTime him and congratulate him on being part of the Packers. I (laughs) bet he didn't call Jordan Love. I bet he didn't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. 
But what the way it's going to end up working is Jordan Love's going to end up being great, and the Packers are going to have a third have a third straight Hall of Fame quarterback. So that just not. that at the most important position. I get why the Packers do it, but sometimes if you already have a if you go all in with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, unless they're ready to get out of Aaron Rodgers and they think we're paying him a lot and he's hard to get along with and all this stuff, it just seems silly to me to back up, draft a backup quarterback. If Just go down with the ship. Like The way I look at it is if you got a quarterback, like a stud quarterback, I'm just going to get people around him because if Drew Brees goes down, the Saints aren't going to the Super Bowl. Well, you're I mean, no Jerry Krause, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no. I think you go all in with your quarterback because what is if Aaron Rodgers is healthy now Jordan Love never touches the field and it's just a waste of an asset. Sure, he's an well, asset, but he's not. He's not a waste of an asset because what Garoppolo got some money for uh, uh, New England. They took him second. They took him in the second round and traded him for a second rounder. Okay, fair enough. Good point. I mean, Good point. I can't argue with that. That's exactly which that might have been. They might could have gotten a first rounder for it. I think Belichick was pissed that he was having to trade him, so he didn't. That's a whole different conversation. But yeah, <laughs> I just thought it was. I just thought it was interesting that they went Jordan Love. I don't know if it was the right decision. Unless you love Jordan Love, I just I look back. He was the he's the first player in a long time. I want to see if you know the other one. There's only one other guy that's ever been led the FBS in interceptions and was taken in the first round. Can you name the other player? Jeff George. Nope, it's a Hall of Famer. Kyle Orton. Brett Favre. <laughs> Dan Marino. Dan Marino. Dan Marino. So if Jordan Love is the next Dan Marino, then it looks like a solid pick, but. We shall see. Boy, you know who's getting screwed here, though, is who is the uh, quarterback that went from Arizona to Miami? Was like Josh yeah. Rosen. And so now he's never going to get a shot because now Tua. Tua's got to play. Took Tua. Tua's he's got to play. play. <laughs> I mean, he was there with, uh, yeah. what's his name, Ryan uh, Tannehill last year, right? So he didn't get didn't get to play much. Fitzpatrick, right? Well, no, he was there last year, and Matt, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, it was Fitzpatrick. You're right. I'm sorry. Was was in Tennessee, yeah. And now, now I think you probably get rid of Rosen because they might go in with Fitzpatrick as a starter, but two is going to start this year. So Rosen it's, now going to play. There's nine not even any tape for Rosen yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. I think watch I, Rosen. I think he's going to surface somewhere and be. A, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. Surely, if he's got anything, he's going to turn out and be a decent quarterback down the line somewhere. Yeah. We'll see. We shall see. I thought he would, but if he never gets a chance to put tape on the, out there for people to see, just people won't ever take a chance on him. I don't know. I think that's wild that he's yeah. never going to get a yep. shot. Um, the other thing that ESPN, so we, we praise ESPN. They did a good job, and I thought they did. I thought it was a very Except. good draft. What did y'all think about, did you notice the weird stuff where they kept putting up? Like, yes. It seemed like they had every draft pick's former tragedy they've been the through in their life. The worst day of everyone's life was on screen for everyone to enjoy. It was, why it was, do that? It was a weird focus to, to, on personal trash. Like, so they would show up like a get to know graphic and it's cool. I like these. Usually it's like sister played in the WNBA and this, and also was a all state or recruited for basketball to house whatever. They have like fun facts. So like for one, they had hometown DeSoto hobbies include video games and Sudoku spent time volunteering. And then the last one, mother Annie contracted and survived West Nile in 2012. It's like, what, what, <laughs> why put that in? <laughs> For the Cowboys pick, Trayvon Diggs, they had hometown, Gettysburg, uh, Maryland. Father, Aaron, died in 2008 of heart failure. Brother, also plays in the NFL. It's like, why do you have to put the worst moment of these people's yeah, life? Yeah, I would much rather they put thing. he enjoyed bouncy castles. Like, that's much more important <laughs> to me. <laughs> but my second question is, how does it work? Do you go like, all right, can you tell us some fun facts? Oh, and can you tell me the worst day of your entire <laughs> life, please? <laughs> and then what if it's not good enough? What if they're like, oh. That was it. Yeah, didn't one of them say like mom suffered from addiction until like he was fifteen or something? So, 
This is the one they apologized for. For T. Higgins, the guy that was taken first in the second round by the Bengals, the great wide receiver from Clemson, who I think is going to be a good NFL player. They showed up a graphic during the NFL draft that revealed that his mother's, it talked about his mother's past drug addiction. I think, let me see what it said. It said, hometown Oak Ridge finalist for the 2016 Tennessee Mr. Basketball. Held offers from Louisville, Auburn, and Tennessee. Sister Kiki played basketball for Middle, T- Middle Tennessee State. Mom, Camelia, fought drug addiction, addiction for 16 years. Don't say that, ESPN. Why do we need to know that? <laughs> the other, the other facts are neat. Like, I like the other facts, but then that last one, why do we need to know she battled drug addiction? Now, he since tweeted out that he's not, they, they apologized for it, and Higgins said he's not, not, not mad about it. He said he's, he took the high road. He said, I'm proud of my mom for turning her life around yeah. for me and my Hell sister. Yeah. I have no problem with them showing the world that my mom is a true fighter. Wouldn't be here without her. Yeah. But I do so think I they would have been, been better off saying years, really enjoy sandcastles, you know? I guess I'm all about <laughs> castles right now. What? A, <laughs> so, though, I will say, and I hate, I heard it on another podcast today, and, but I was thinking about this because, like, so they mentioned it on the Bill Simmons podcast with Ryan Rosillo, but working in, and a little, obviously I never did draft, but working in TV, we, you do know what people stick around for yeah, and why people watch the show. And I do think, if you've ever watched College Game Day, they've started to do this. And they're good stories, but the Tom Rinaldi pieces. Tom Rinaldi is great at it. It's going to be some, like, sad story about a kid who got an offer but now has cancer and he hasn't been playing. But then there's always this sweet moment where he got to go on the field for his senior year or something. And I bet there's research that shows people do watch that because it's hard to get up when they start showing that. You're, you're intrigued. It pulls yep. you in. Yeah. So I bet they thought the tragedy is what people stick around for, and it's what makes people that maybe aren't us three – Maybe if mom's sitting there watching the draft, she finds it interesting that these people overcame adversity. Maybe say that's it's what they thought. To, it's starting to grind me the other way, though, because I don't know how many times I could see John, James Conner overcoming cancer and then saving a kid's life after that. Like, I, I don't want to cry every Sunday morning. You know what I mean? Like, I just like, right. stop. Let me watch football. So I think, but my point was, I think there is some research that they thought this is good. This, this works. But it just seems weird. All these nights, like we've already talked about, it, we hate the people that, go back and look for people's worst tweets on the night they get drafted. Which, it's like the biggest night of their Judy's career. Judy's is the best, by the way. But go on. I'll, I'll explain Judy's it is a funny. <laughs> but, but this is, to the extent, this is like the same thing. It's like the best night of your life, but we also want to highlight the worst night of your life, yeah. too, while we, while we celebrate. Let's show. It just seems unnecessary. I didn't, I didn't like it. ESPN did apologize for it, for at least some of them. It just seemed like a weird thing that the draft did. Yeah. But LJ, there was, speaking of tweets... It looked like your boy, Jerry, the judge, Judy, uh, had a night where he maybe was smoking something. So, well, I don't actually think so, because I think he was like 14 at the time, which is why I'm so glad the internet didn't exist. They're not as bad as it gets, but go ahead. Let me just read a few to you. Um, What if you see Big Bird walk up to you and ask where Sesame Street at? What if you see Big Bird and Barney slap boxing? What if you see Big Bird robbing an old lady? What if you see Big Bird... Walk to ask you for five dollars, and he could so he could buy a bag. What if you see Big Bird okay. juking in the club to Heartbroken, and then he comes back? He like he he does a whole string of what if Big Bird did this weird shit, and then he comes back the next morning at like five a.m. and says, "What if you saw Big Bird doing a drive-by shooting? What is this kid? <laughs> Didn't he also have one about Big Bird and Elmo?" Probably. Um, I didn't see that one. Having having sexual relations Probably. or something. I think Jerry yeah. Judy was uh, that dude went through something with a big bird in his childhood because this was in 2013. <laughs> this was seven years ago. Dude was probably like barely a teenager 
and all he wanted to talk about is Big Bird doing weird Big shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did think, it, but as far as bad tweets go, I mean, that's yeah, they, uh, we've seen a yes, lot worse. So that's, what, like, that's what makes me sad about that is that like clearly somebody went through his tweets to find something worth mentioning on his draft day and they just ended up laughing instead of finding something terrible. Um, we shouldn't be going through somebody's tweets when they're 13 years old. And it's irrelevant, but also I'm glad that they found this particular one. Cause that's hilarious. It's almost <laughs> as good as Mitch Trubisky's. I like to kiss teddies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of stay on the NFL thing, I don't think we were able to talk about this last week cause it happened after we recorded. So Rob Gronkowski did come out of retirement. As right. A did we talk about this? No. Never came up. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of not that crazy. I could kind of see it come, but man, just we got Pat's Pat's version Pat two South. down yeah. in Tampa now. Yeah. And then did you see where Tom Brady did the Ryan Rosillo and went into the wrong house? And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that, LJ? Oh, good I heard it. I heard he, what, Whose house was it? It was some like well, he was players he was house. trying well, so, to go into Byron Leftwich's, who is the OC, right? Which well, so already that that's week, illegal. Though, by the way, t- they can't do that yet. <laughs> Tom Brady got ejected from a Tampa Bay park because he was practicing in Tampa Bay Park, and they're closed down due to coronavirus. <laughs> and so he had to be asked to leave the Tampa Bay Park. <laughs> and then not long after, Brady accidentally trespasses in a Tampa Bay resident home where he thinks he's going to go meet Byron Leftwich, the OC at Tampa Bay. Which, Dad, you're right. We will get into that in just a second. Um, he was, thinks he's meeting Byron Leftwich and walks into the house because I guess the door's unlocked. Shout out to Ryan Rosillo, like Dad said. <laughs> um, he walks into the house and it's not Byron Leftwich. It's just a, a Floridian there who takes it with open arms. And I'm sure it would be kind of cool if Tom Brady all of a sudden walked into your house. But the bigger issue here is now... Chad Kelly didn't enjoy that. <laughs> now NFL teams <laughs> are mad that Brady's making contact with a new coach because due to the coronavirus, the league has delayed off-season activities for teams. And according to the teams around the league, they have uh, the rule is you cannot have contact with your players or coaches until off-season activities have began. Well, since they've been delayed, they haven't began. So teams are saying, this is from Jason Lockham-Comfora, I believe NFL Network tweeted out. Teams in the, around the league have, quote, conveyed their dismay to league officials about Brady's meetings. And since they believe the quarterback violated league pos- policy, the teams are anticipating some stern discipline for Brady and or the Buccaneers. As one source told, what Brady did was, quote, totally illegal. So, you know, at least we can say this. Bill Belichick taught him well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a man who don't cheat for a poke, a man who won't cheat to go see his coach, don't want to see his bad coach. Bad there you go. <laughs> My uh, God, Woodrow. Once get caught breaking into the wrong house because you think it's Byron Leftwich's. <laughs> right. It was funny. I think I, I first heard about it when he jumped on the Zoom call, I think, with like Rich Eisen. I was talking about he was they were like, are you at the right house now? He's like, OK, so long story short. Yes, I did accidentally walk into the wrong house. I thought it was Byron's. It wasn't. I also saw he, um, but he, it was uh, funny. he bought Derek Jeter's Miami or uh, Tampa house or whatever and is disappointed by how many people can walk across his beach. So uh, that's the most Tom Brady <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Old TV 12. I cannot wait to see what the Bucks are. I mean, just to see Gronk and Tom Brady and Tampa, they, they got a, They got a good offensive tackle to block for him in the draft. I think they'll be interesting as heck to watch. What you bet they'll be on Story TV more watching. next year than last year. Oh my God. <laughs> I bet they're the, I bet they're on national TV the most, if not the Cowboys, then it'll yes, be the, Cowboys. The it's Cowboys, Eagles and Brady. Those are the three things. I am worried. 
to go back to that Cowboys pick, I'm so worried. So now we're by far, we, the Cowboys are by far the most talented team, right? All we're going to hear is how talented the Cowboys are and how they're the best roster. We're still going to go against the Redskins and put up 10 points. Yeah. On Monday night. Going to go about 10 and so 6 gonna and uh, make the playoffs and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens from there. But. <laughs> right. Mm. Um, before we get out, do we have time, LJ? I know you wanted to touch on a, a little different, just take a hard left turn. Do you still have that? or? Yeah, yeah, this is quick. Um, so have you guys ever heard of uh, Harbingers of Failure? I cannot say I have. Yes, okay. I have. So if you really enjoyed New Coke and you really enjoyed Crystal Pepsi and you loved listening to your Zoom on your mor- morning jogs, you might be a Harbinger of Failure. There's this group of people that apparently makes consistently bad product decisions that is is so consistent that if somebody from this group buys your product three times, you know it's going to be a failure. So legit, some people are just bad. Like the, the, the products they like to buy are all failures. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there was a study done by MIT that essentially they, uh, they, they worked at convenience stores and that were introducing new products to people uh, before they hit the nationwide market. And the people that there were people, so people that liked good products were kind of, you know, the average or whatever. The people that liked products that were bound to fail tended to like every product that was bound to fail. They also tend to vote for the presidential candidate that is bound to lose. Like there are people (laughs) that everything that they want to do is the least popular thing of any choice that they can make. They are legitimately the KOD. They're the kiss of death. Yeah. They endorse you. Exactly. And so it's over. And so like, if you can lock down, people have started trying to find these people. Right. And so that way you can produce a new Taco Bell product or whatever. And if these people like it, you take it off the market. It's not (laughs) going to happen. It's not going to work. Because they liked watermelon Oreos also. So we're oh. not going to enjoy their uh, their endorsement. Yeah. I just, I, I think. So, I mean, I, I mean a, a job's a job, but man, it'd be something to get hired. Like, we want to hire you to know what sucks. Yeah, exactly. So you just tell us what you <laughs> like. Tell us what so you like and we'll know it sucks. But you know what would be the worst, though? The worst part about that is every time you're like, oh, I like this. And then you know it's no, you're never going to get it again. Because the second you say, I'm in, yeah. they cut that product from the line immediately. You you know every time, like, so if I'm one of these people and I show up to LJ's house and you're like, what do you want to drink? I know you're not going to have what I want. There's no chance in hell that you're going to have what I want to either snack on or drink because it's, it, it shouldn't be on the market. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm the only one that likes it. <laughs> no, I've never heard of these people. Is it a big group of people that say like... Uh, so my them? understanding is there's like a, a relatively small population of people that fit into this category that enjoy over 50% of products that fail. But I've also, so just to give specific numbers, if you're one of these people that falls into this category and you buy a product three times, then that means that there's a like a 70% chance of your product flopping once it hits the open market. So like it's a very serious correlation. It's not like just a coincidence. So I think that's kind of interesting because I think like when you look at the stock market and it feels like it's kind of all random, but if you could find somebody that was wrong all of the time, that would be just as valuable as someone who's right all of the time. Yeah. And it works the same way in product marketing, right? So um, if you can find someone that always picks the wrong fad, that's worth knowing. Like that's, there's a lot of money in that. True, true. So if you can find out that you are a harbinger of failure, like profit off of your go make your go make your money boo boo yeah yeah yeah, exactly 
Um, all right, before we get out of here, we typically do, and I'm kind of throwing this at y'all. Y'all have no idea what I'm about to say, but we typically do a what we're listening to. But due to a lot of people doing a lot of quarantine and stuff, oh, I got one. I was interested in a what we're watching. Got one. Do 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 we have? Do we each have one, pops? Will you have one? Of what we're watching, I'll let you go last. Um, yeah, just any show. If you're binging a show, or you did binge a show, or just something you would recommend. To okay, me. let me go last. Or just what you're doing. You don't even have to recommend it, but just something let you're watching. LJ, why don't you start? So, uh, have you guys heard of the movie or the the TV show Waco? The well. Waco, yeah, Is Waco, it like the town, yeah, yeah, like the town. I've seen there's a, there's like a documentary that goes over the whole Waco. So there's a TV show that stars Taylor Kitsch. It's got Julia Garner from uh 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 the Capital One commercials. No, Julia Garner. No, that's no. Jennifer Garner. That's Jennifer. No, Julia for Garner. Julia Garner is uh, from uh, Ozark. She's uh the god. Oh, uh, Rita. Words, uh, but... Not Rita. Uh, uh, the girl. The girl. The girl with the curly hair, the blonde-haired, curly-haired. I haven't, I haven't watched the new season. I'm you, know, but, things, but I know you're yeah, I can't remember her name, but okay, yeah. Anyway, uh, she's fantastic. Ruth, Ruth, uh, every, Ruth, 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 Langmore. Um, <laughs> yes, but, uh, there. It's it's this. It's a really great series full of just impressive actors, and it's the story of uh, David Koresh in Waco, Texas. You know that whole uh, Branch Davidian situation. Yeah, and it's really, really good. It is a so it's like a TV it's show. like a drama based off the whole fifty one day standoff in Waco exactly that, uh, Koresh or whatever his name exactly. was exactly you know it was a fifty one day standoff but you didn't know David Koresh's name um, I just recently <laughs> watched the, I recently watched the there's a documentary on Netflix of that which is pretty good okay it's well I have to watch that you watch this it's really interesting because it's uh it really opened my eyes because I grew up um in the post. Um, you know, OKC bombing and David Koresh and Ruby Ridge world. And so like a lot of this stuff was like history to me. And so watching it, right. Uh, in, in, they, they used the, the FBI, uh, nego- uh, hostage negotiator. He wrote a book and they used one of the survivors of the branch Davidian, uh, religion. They used their two books as the sources for this, uh, this drama. And it is really, really, really good. So hmm. is it like a movie or is it like a little series? Like it's a short, it's six hours or it's six episodes long, probably about six hours long. And okay. Uh, okay. it's, it's worth the whole watch. Like I, if you've got, well, I agree with you as far as like, not, this was just history. Like I, I, I've heard of the Waco thing, but didn't really know it. And like to watch the documentary and to like actually learn about it. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is insane. Yeah. So I agree with you. If well, you watch really this show and, and, and we'll compare notes at some point, but Okay. Yeah, it was really good. My, what I've been watching, and part of this is, shout out to mom, I was watching the prior, she started Game of Thrones, like right as the coronavirus pandemic hit, so like right as they were everywhere. I remember, can I break in? She was going to, she told me she was going to watch an episode a night, and then about four nights in, she was in season two, and about uh, six nights in, An episode a night quickly turned into like two episodes a night, (laughs) at least. Um. But so I, I was catching like bits and pieces with them, just, you know, watching some and, yeah. and, and I kind of got into it. So I wanted to, and I'm in the, the course of it now, I'm rewatching like the final two seasons, final uh, two, three seasons, the last little bit. And I'm going to decide, is it as bad as I remember? Uh, I don't know yet, but I'm going to see if it's as bad as I remember. So that's, that's hmm. what I'm rewatching now. I just, they just went beyond the wall. Can I, they just, they, can they, I say, uh, you almost, uh, to, to give me an opinion I care about, you need to watch the whole thing and remember how much time they spent on the mysterious white walkers 
and then watch the last season and tell me how much. Well, so I pretty much did watch the whole thing because I was going bits and pieces from earlier Fair episodes, enough. and then I picked up from about season. Fair enough. Five. I just on, can't imagine. So. Okay, go. Yeah, tell tell me what you think when you're done yep. with it, please. So that's what I'm watching. Pops, what are you watching or what have you just recently finished watching? Well, uh, you don't want to tell you what I think I'm going to watch next because I had a good recommendation. I I got a good recommendation on this. Um, I don't know anything about it. Outlander. Do you, do you know anything about that? Outlander at all. It's, I don't, I don't even know. It's a series. I don't, I'm not even sure where it is. Maybe Netflix. I'm not sure, but, uh, I had it on good, uh, uh, good reference that it's that was really good that I would like it so Ooh, I think I'm going good. to give it a try. It's for if you're one of those IMDb people, it's got a really high rating on IMDb for what it's worth, eight point four. It so. is on Netflix and Hulu and YouTube TV and Sling TV and Amazon Prime and so it's everywhere. So it's everywhere. Know it was everywhere. Okay. Golly, there you go. If you can't watch the show, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> Pops, what I thought you were going to say, and it's something that's on my list after I get disappointed in GOT for the second time. <laughs> is I need to go back and finish because they just now put out the new episodes of Better Call Saul. Oh. And I really enjoyed the, that's the prequel of Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad. And I watched a lot, but I think the newer episodes have now gotten to met the point of Breaking Bad and Walter well, White. So. The, wait, 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 wait. They're, you're saying they put out episodes. No, no, no. I think there are still a season. They, they just released the episodes on like Hulu and TV. That I think so. Like the fifth, the Bad. fifth season, I think maybe is what you're talking about. But I don't know if it goes to where Netflix they meet up with there. Breaking Bad. Well, I think it gets to that. I don't know. I was reading somewhere that it gets to the point. I just read that it's really good. The the season they just released or whatever. Okay. I've heard, yeah, the, really season that, the season that the season before. that just aired, I've heard is like was like six years in the making. Like they had been planning the episodes that are uh, that just aired like two months ago. They've been planning that yeah. for a long time. So. So that's what I'm saying. I just thought this would be kind of neat since yeah. a lot of people are watching stuff at home and maybe you're like, I just finished. Like the reason I kind of got into Game of Thrones is because I, ju- I, I didn't have a show to watch. I've kind of finished for shows. I was watching a different one. And then I was like, I don't really know if I want to get into something yet. At least I know I can just can't quit Game of Thrones whenever. And I still might. If it starts getting too crappy, I might just be like, all right, it was as bad as I thought. But we'll see. I think they're still going to um, hold you on because you're still going to hope that last episode isn't garbage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of the JPP pod. If you like on Game of Thrones, they were wanting protection from the White Walkers. If you just want some protection and security at your home, make sure to go to our friends over at simplysafe.com. Put, put in Castle Black had Simply Safe. They would have been fine. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. That's all they needed. Just go to simplysafe.com slash team and get a free 60 day trial. So, I mean, it's just 50 cents a Hell, day. 50 the cents people a day at after Hard Home could have afforded Simply Safe. You know, season oh, six, yeah. we're going to crush this. Hard Home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that will do it for another week. Guys, I will catch you next week. On the flip. Peace. Peace. <laughs> On the flippity flip. <laughs> <laughs>